0: Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist radio show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now. Okay, welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast and video for those that are watching right now. Uh, So, you know, anybody that has been listening to me for a while or has been um, watching any of these videos on my list and this whole idea of compassionate capitalism, you know that, you know, it's grounded in economics and the economics of capitalism that says, you know, we buy, sell things and make money doing that. But then the compassion gets layered in on top of it within mostly within the context of, of angel investing but also when it comes to how all types of capital and financial sources, private, financial, and, 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 in for the, and in within the context of today, potentially public money as well, how does that get put to work so that it does more than just make money for one person? And how does it get put to work that it benefits our society and within angel investing, it's the innovation side of bringing innovation market, creating jobs, creating wealth. But what can we do from a compassionate capitalist perspective when it comes to, um, well, quite frankly, an urban renaissance, which is what our topic is today and why that is important, okay, because, you know, what if there was a way to do the impossible uh, it's really not impossible, but so many people think of it. They think it's, it's, it's too far gone to even, even um, attempt it. And that's the investing in low-income neighborhoods and actually making money at the same time. We're not taking advantage of those low-income neighborhoods. We're lifting those low-income neighborhoods so that everybody benefits, that they benefit economically, financially, health, uh, mentally, all of those things but also the people and the institutions that make those investments. My guest today, Terrence Gallman, is the esteemed author of The Wall Street Bonds, The Urban Renaissance. It is a book about financial and social revolution that could raise up the people and the GDP, the gross domestic product, at the same time. I'm going to just say hi. I'm going to introduce uh, uh, Terrence here in, in more detail, but for those that are watching, so... We're going to dig into this idea of urban renaissance and how that not only benefits the black community, but why it is imperative across the spectrum of all communities and people to be aware of this, to understand why we're in the situation we are in 2020 right now, and what we, together as society, and those that are in the, that have the financial means, the wealth managers of the world, the fund managers of the world, the angel investors, the real estate investors, all of those people can participate in this, be compassionate capitalists, but also be change makers when it comes to the urban renaissance. So let me tell you a little bit more about Terrence. Because this is really, I just learned a few more things about him. I've known Terrence for a while. Um, and we're gonna talk about a project that we're working on and and how we're we're committing to this. But let me say, so Terrence is a man who has lived both the American dream and the American nightmare. He grew up in a South Carolina trailer park and went from prison to the state house to the United Nations, all because of this one idea. He's an ex-con, financier, business coach, and community activist. Terrence has worked with policymakers, law enforcement, business leaders, and families to create investment strategies that build communities and businesses side by side. Gallman has been described as a dominant force in the economic, finance, and investment community. Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast, Terrence. I am so glad that we finally got this show scheduled.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Karen. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for that great, great introduction, that, that polished introduction. And of course, you make uh, that intro reality. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: So but we're going to dig into what this actually means, the, the urban renaissance. Yeah. But, you know, share, share a little bit about your journey for our listeners, the investors and the entrepreneurs that are out there. You know that that this idea that transformed you because, you know, growing up in abject poverty like that—it's so often for—and um, and it's not just a, a black Black History story. There, we have people up in Appalachia mountains, and as a result of of other areas and farm communities, and because the industry shifted or that deal with poverty, it's not—it's poverty in something in the United States is is like one of our 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 worst kept secrets here. Um, but they're, But one of the biggest things that I've seen that when children grow up in that is that they they don't have a hope for something different. They have no idea how they're going to navigate to be anything other than that. So talk about your story on, on that piece of it. And then we're going to go into this brilliant idea you have about the urban renaissance that I've had the opportunity to work with you on.
1: Well, thank you so much, Karen. Um, myself, uh, you know, in front, you know to, to back up the introduction, um, you, most people are gonna be a product of the environment. We have this thing where we promote the exception and not the rule. The rule is growing up in, in uh, disenfranchised or marginalized communities that uh, the discretionary discrimination that you're gonna face on a every situation basis, from education, from lending, uh, from inclusion, is going to have an effect on you. And when you have vulnerable people in those communities, um, you're going to be influenced by those short term gains. And by the time you realize that uh, your opportunity has to be created for yourself, you're going to have some. Uh, bumps along the way. And for myself, again, of course, it was, you know, prison. And, um, but I was introduced at drugs at a young age, and I ended up selling drugs. And that's where my criminal conspiracy came from. And I was indicted. And of course, I ended up serving um, time in federal prison right when the white collar boom happened. And so you end up in prison with a lot of people from the financial industry. So I was oh. in for drug conspiracy, but I'll meet a Wall Street banker. So Uh, Of course, you know, when you're growing up in poverty, you kind of make prison a way of life for yourself because you have to be able to sustain or withstand that turmoil because you're going to meet the police before you meet a chance to a college recruiter. Yeah. So, that being said, so you already condition yourself for prison, whereas though someone like the time we're in now, where you have this this white collar criminal conspiracy going on, so y'all end up in the same place, but you're conditioned for prison and they're conditioned, you know, to know how the system works. And so, within that, Uh, meeting for me is when I learned all the things I did not know. And that's how finance really works, how economics really work. And what, you know, what I learned is that when you're in these marginalized community, you know, you go from a bad situation to a worse situation and then you undo the very opportunity that may have been there prior to your bad choice or your bad influence. Yeah. So that was my journey. And that kind of brought me to, you know, that's good. So yeah.
0: It and 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 you touched on it and I and I was remiss because I knew we were going to get into it because it's a big part of uh, of why there is this crying need for an urban renaissance. You know, poverty within the United States is is um, is not uh, it's not um, it's, you know, in, it, it's it's across the board in many different ethnic groups and um, communities, rural and urban. The difference is, as you started to address, and we're going to dig into the difference for the Black community. It's 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 the breaking out of the poverty that really up until just a few years ago, and it's still not really fixed, which is why we're working on the things right. we're working on. Is this you know the financial? limits that the segregation then there then the the segregation that that immediately separated all your institutions and all your access to opportunities education all that stuff then the desegregation and the backlash that um segments of our society had where they were angry about that. So they put up additional barriers to opportunities within the black community specifically because of the race of, Mm. of African Americans. And, um, and then the lingering effect, the compounding effect that you have with that, where there's, you know, the lack of education, lack of opportunity, and then you end up having this decaying from within because the the businesses that are there, the people that live there, no longer can get the financial support they need to continue to improve their surroundings, to invest in their businesses. Other people can't come in there to invest in those communities because of these, these hidden restrictions, the red line, for those that don't know what a red line is, it's where it started decades and decades and decades ago. In response, you know, well, that's a whole nother podcast that I've actually covered, but there's it was where they drew, I literally drew a red line around a map, primarily, you know, I would say 90 some odd percent of the time. It was the black community within a community that was redlined so that they were considered highly risky for any kind of investment in real estate, business, whatever in those communities. And therefore, in order to to do what you need to do, you had to come to the table with significant more, ga- more cash than what you could anywhere else because the banks wouldn't assume the same risk tolerance they would within a white community or for a white investor or a white homeowner. And so the ripple effect of that is that the people that are that stay are the ones that have no choice because they can't economically get out of those communities, and they're stuck. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. have this um, decaying of our our inner cities, and that's. Let me just, you know, that's kind of a bleak. It's bleak perspective that I just laid out there, but it is reality, right? It is reality. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. that's what we are dealing with right now. That the pandemic has shown. An incredible spotlight on it, because of mm-hmm. of the lack of income, that we're not addressing the lack of access to healthcare, the lack of access, mm-hmm. you know, to um, affordable workplace housing. That you know, all of these things we've just had a spotlight shine on it in the last couple of years, so that there is a right. change at foot to address that. And so that's really mm-hmm. what we're what we're going to dig into today in understanding more about why does that, and I'm gonna leave it up to you to answer the question, mm-hmm. Terrence, why right. does it benefit all of our society when we turn mm-hmm. around and recognize that what's happening in our back door, in our backyard, you know, uh, across the road, across the railroad tracks, mm-hmm. whatever it is, on the other side of that highway, Whatever it is that, that is there and and the and the economic impact that it brings down the rest of the community when you ignore mm-hmm. what's going on, when the rest of our financial communities and our economic leaders and our political leaders ignore those communities. Tell our listeners mm-hmm. why it's important for them to, to turn around and, and address this, you know, really put in motion to address this, and then we'll talk about how we're getting, addressing that, but why is it important?
1: Uh, it's very important. And I'll, I'll share with you if l- let's, let's take the black and white differences and let's make it green for the purpose of navigating the time in the conversation. All right, let's make it green. Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, if you
1: look at um, what our country wealth is built on, and that's a comfortable lifestyle, that's a comfortable living. And that's the wealth that has been generated over the, uh, last 400 years here. Of course, labor was a prime factor right, in that. Right.
0: Because of so, real estate, so right? Now, right. Yeah, you're getting it.
1: Absolutely. Right. Okay. Now let's take the, the, what's going on with our country's wealth. And let's look over a period of 40 years where you work, you save, you invest in your retirement. And throughout that, it sustains you and it, you know, leave an opportunity for the next generation. Well, if you look at what our retirement funds, our pension funds, and some of our major financial institutions are doing, they take and invest their money, uh, the, their, their money into emerging markets. And those are communities that once they get that investment, they can provide their infrastructure. And then their infrastructure is to go out and create these new market jobs and, Uh, a sustainable economy that can pay a return on that investment. Well, those emerging markets are international countries, you know, China, Korea, different places. Some of the places that's not promoted on the media, but have substantial investments from our financial institutions. So the average person who works in SAID do not even know that most of their retirement, Money or uh, the investments are funding infrastructure in the international community. Well, uh, when I got introduced to the financial markets and started to look at what it takes to change our uh, economies in these marginalized communities, I realized the wealth is here, it's just invested elsewhere. So, getting people to see that we are an emerging opportunity and yeah. along with. Okay along with giving us access to investment we become an emerging opportunity then we can help empower these financial institutions here with their mission that they're doing the internationally. right so right um, yeah so so that that is that brings us to where the substantial amount of wealth that we parade in the u.s but with so many marginalized communities such as been highlighted with the pandemic. Yeah, shows yeah. that there's, there's no limited investment opportunities. You have to just um, recruit enough wealth to change that environment. And then over successful investing in a community, then that community become an asset. And now you have an increased tax revenue base versus the media where they're able to go out and promote that it's a liability, that we're going to be raising the tax, create more taxpaying communities yeah the ability to pay those taxes and they, they can pull themselves up so yeah. yeah thank you
0: to that point to that point and it, it is about it is a green thing I, you know and I, and I I talk about when I was angel investing and and, and even for myself um really within the I mean because I've always kind of understood that there was a gap and that we weren't really doing what we needed to do and I was sort of aware of red line but you know like I think a lot of people within the white community, um, they they just assumed it wasn't as bad because it, it's almost um, unconscionable the the barriers that have been out there and and the the the, dom- the the domino effect or the snowball effect of what that has when you can look back and and this is where economics come in when you look back and you can see the impact of it. And, and, you know, in my book, I talk about even like the impact um, how we got to the, the real estate collapse, right? It, well, it started 10 years before mm. in the way we, right. we changed the laws about how you could get a mortgage and how mortgages were handled by banks and all that kind of stuff and ripple effect. Fast forward, we have a collapse of a marketplace. Well, because of these things that were put, these barriers to access to capital, and access to mm-hmm. financial services within the black community. Right. Fast forward to now, and people have a hard mm-hmm. time understanding this number and believing it and sinking it in. And, 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 and it, is, it comes down to the green of it, to what you just talked about. The Brookings Institute, everybody respects the Brookings Institute. Well, they did a really in-depth mm-hmm. study and they brought it out in February of this year that looks at the black wealth gap wealth you know the gap mm-hmm. between black wealth astonishingly the average wealth wealth of a white family in the united states is about $171,000 that's the value of their home right. their income you know whatever right, right. Mm-hmm. the average mm-hmm. for the black family $17,000 mm-hmm. it's a 10x delta and you're like mm-hmm. wait a second i know I know this guy, I know a black guy that's a, well, you, you're successful. You've overcome. I know somebody who's a lawyer. We have a, we had a black president. We have a a black, a black uh, Supreme court justice. We have, you know, we see this and we think everybody's fine. But when you, Mm -hmm. but when you, you turn your back on and you ignore that community that I talked about before. It's across the highway. It's across here, across there. And those people, Mm -hmm. and it's not because they're not willing to work. It's not because they don't strive for doing something better for their family. And we're not even going to get into the criminal Mm -hmm. justice side of the things. It's not for any of those, those rationales that people do to try to make themselves feel okay, that it has become such a dearth as what it has, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not because of that. It's just because of, the, of this, this structure of what, what it is. And to mm-hmm. your point, Green, if you could take the average black family's household and let's just mm-hmm. say double it. Let's say have we put a plan mm-hmm. in place that says in, 30, in in the next five years, if it's possible mm-hmm. to even have that happen, But we are able to grow the economic status of a black family from seventeen thousand to twenty five thousand to thirty thousand to something like that, right? Mm -hmm. How much more could they pay in rent? Uh Just like you say, they could you could invest in there and they could pay more in rent, they could pay for a nicer home. They could pay for mm-hmm. other goods and services that they're not able to pay for now. Absolutely. They become contributing right. members, and how? And they pay taxes. They get to pay more taxes. Right. Yay! You know, they get to pay. You know, they could buy a home and pay the property taxes mm-hmm. that fund the schools. I mean, part of the reason why our mm-hmm. schools end up having this big delta is because. Schools are funded through property taxes. So if you have a community that has really depressed property values, guess what? There is no property tax to fund a good school. And so all of that comes down to what do we do to lift that up so that they can, Mm -hmm. and we, and that goes to the GDP part of what you said within your, Mm -hmm. your premise behind your book. You know, we can really Mm -hmm. lift up everything within our society and you know, not take more from those that don't have it, but give them more so that they can contribute.
1: Right. Well, thank you, Karen. i like to chime in for a second here on a couple of things that you mentioned. A lot of the wealth um, that we're talking about that exists in those white family community um, are assets that are secured by the labor and the tax revenue um, from these challenged communities. So it's, it's imperative that both sides see that, you know, that has to return back to these communities. That's a big labor. Move. So those assets uh, have been erased by the pandemic. So a lot of security that was commercial paper that these communities have borrowed against are projected this 20 year growth over it's it totally eradicated. I mean, over four months, I look at Airbnb made a statement saying that they built this great business plan over the last 12 years, built this great billion dollar business. And in four months in a pandemic, it literally wiped them out. So it wasn't just Airbnb wealth that was built, that was borrowed for the most part. Uh, the majority of the communities that have been, you know, turned into these viral and these, uh, virtual platforms uh, these e-commerce platforms if you don't have the physical community working to go out and produce the goods and resources that we use every, every day you have no chance to uh, create the trade that produces the wealth that we're able to you know continue to advance in our society so the pandemic is almost like a stock market correction for these issues that's yeah. been long overlooked And there are some key drivers um, that make this show, that make what you do, and that make, you know, connecting with what your efforts have been so great. The Compassionate um, Capitalist Movement, there are key drivers now that are addressing the income inequalities or social inequalities. And when most people are still dealing with these issues that are black and white, no, this is, this happened across every spectrum. And while we're just addressing it here in the U.S., because we're a leader uh, of it being a black and white issue, uh, which is totally a solvable um, situation. It gives us the opportunity to take the lead again, because there are key drivers like Impact Alpha. Um, Some of these people platforms are community driven. And what they do, is they go into these communities that show local investment opportunity, local uh, investment leaders that will allow local people to really look for local asset opportunities that are w- where they are versus um, waiting on the government, which is a business, to come in and solve these social issues. And the people who are leaders in these, you know, especially politically, they are key drivers as well where this source of funding and probably 70, 80% of the businesses that, you know, have these assets are dependent on government revenue. Mm -hmm. So we're having a chance to see that this, this, these inequalities are man-made, you know, and it's not just some lack of neglect on a community. Also, it's an opportunity. I like to say we're primitive. We have an opportunity to -hmm. continue being a leader. and not fault fine to the point that we fight.
0: Yeah. So with that, I want to switch over to talk we've talked about the problem. So let's talk about some of the solutions and the opportunity that you just. And I want to reinforce the point that you made earlier that for the investor community that's listening to this and you think, oh, I'm going to go invest in third world areas, or I'm going to invest in these new markets that are outside the United States. We have tremendous opportunities. We're going to talk about how you can get involved in some of that right now to have an impact in in our own communities and really take our whole nation up a whole other level than than what we have been at in decades, okay, or if ever. Okay, but first, I want to tell everybody to go learn more. (coughs) Excuse me. Get the book. Again, the name of the book is Wall Street Bonds, The Urban Renaissance. You can get it on Amazon. And I want you to, you can connect up with Terrence and learn more about this and get into within his community on his Facebook page, which is The Urban Ren, T H E U. R-B-A-N-R-E-N for the urban renaissance okay so just doesn't have the full word there so you can connect up with him there and learn more about that right and and then of course he has other books and and I'm sure you can find those other books that are about more about his personal journey so let's talk about this because um, you know Government and the powers that be never do anything just because it's nice to do. They do it because that's the capitalist side of this, because they're going to make money at it and there is going to be some, some benefit. So, you know, within the, a lot of these communities, so, so for those that don't know, I haven't heard of the term Opportunity Zone Funds or Qualified Opportunity zone. There, uh, because there's been hub zones and there's been opportunity. there's been these words that, that people have used, the government has used where they've given tax incentives and different things to try to add low interest, economic development uh, groups will do low interest or zero interest loans and these things. So those things have kind of been around, but there's never been as big of a shift in the capital markets from where money was to where money can be and a strong financial incentive to do that until the last couple of years. And it was a bill that was a bipartisan bill that was tacked on to the, uh, the tax changes in 2017 It had been worked on by Cory Booker and I think Tim Scott, right? That, was it Tim yes. Scott? Yeah, so we had uh,
1: South, uh, Carolina.
0: South Carolina Republican, New Jersey right. Democrat, we got the urban the the urban aspect of it that that Cory Booker was emphasized and Tim Scott was more emphasized on the rural aspect that says we have abject poverty and lack of investment in the real estate and in the development of these communities and you know we need to do something that encourages institutions individuals and folks to shift their money to invest locally into these things or wherever it may not be local And so, it basically gives, we're going to get into all the details, uh, lots of information around, you can, um, you know, I'll have, probably have a link in there on on my show notes about this, but there's... um, it basically is a is a offset of capital gains taxes for making these investments for the money that you put into it whatever you would incur in in capital gains and then depending on how long the money is in this program or in this particular investment where it's creating jobs in that community or providing quality workforce housing There's also a business investment aspect of it. You get to offset your return on investment on that. So that's a real incentive for people that are just doing normal investment and encouraging, but also people that decided they they the stock market had risen and it's time to get out. I don't want to have to pay all those capital gains. Let me move my money over here. Or they're doing uh, the real estate exchange and they're avoiding it instead of kicking the can down the road. They can put money in here. Family offices finally have gotten on board and they're like, Oh, we got all this wealth that might've been accumulating a value over years and big capital gains bill. We can move that now and do that and put it to work, having this great impact on there. So um, that is so, uh, we in, in what one of the things that Terrence and I are working on is to identify the public and private pieces of, of the sources of capital, and how can we create almost a blueprint to be able to provide the local leaders in a community and the financial community on how they can go do that so. Um, you have a vision for this, Terrence, that's even even bigger and broader than what I just described. So share with our listeners how you see the benefit of these, these public funds that are you know, HUD housing and foundation money and whatever, and, and the, that as well as with these private funds and a vision of what you think can happen in the United States when it comes to lifting up these communities.
1: Well, there's a couple of things I just want to share. I was a part of uh, the Global Private Equity Conference that was held in Washington a few years ago, where these trillion-dollar fund managing companies uh, and their leaders were speaking about the uh, global sentiment of social good, and that if that's that's kind of what that's what's leading us now. So, if you're not a company or a country that's affiliated with social good, the internet is actually going to be a driver of whether you could sell your business or not. And of course, every investor, uh, even the government, are in to a particular investment for an exit. So our society now, if you can look at uh, Brexit and uh, some of these other communities across the board, uh, their social good is what's driving the narrative. And to say what we are right now, we're just at the tip of the start uh, in these communities where not just the pandemic, but the other aspect, the criminal justice system, those other things have have us communicating across these different spectrums. As let's find an opportunity. So so the, if you look at what's leading the, the narrative now from uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, these are uh, social media giants that are connecting people regardless of their differences from all over the world. And in the U.S., they narrative to drive change is opportunities on legislation again you're talking about the black senator tim scott from south carolina court booker uh one of the up-and-come uh guys in you know this bipartisan effort and you're looking at the legislation that's telling these investors look you know you can partner with the government to not have to uh pay taxes if you just invest in these challenged communities and these opportunities on are also locally designated by, the, I, will, I just want to say the governor, uh, that can, you know, uh, designate what would be considered uh, needed as an opportunity zone within their state. So there's still this political element uh, benefit that these investors can be more, become more favorable across the spectrum if they can find a community that will have the proper infrastructure to accommodate this investment. Or this yeah. stuff. Now, most communities are still challenged. And I'd just like to highlight the Epic uh, Impact Fund, uh, what they're doing in Atlanta, to uh, with Jerry there, uh, McGee, to facilitate um, the up-and-coming transition of wealth uh, and to give these investors you know, a 10-year type umbrella for this stuff to really work for everybody. So I got to give a huge shout out for Tim Scott and Core Book for even co-partnering on this effort. That being said, the the key element is getting the local communities to understand they can become architects and a conduit to facilitate where does wealth go. But there are certain criteria that you're going to have to meet in order to uh, to attract this investment. So you still have to attract this investment because even now, it takes take the tip of the iceberg of police brutality, criminal justice to even get Netflix to, you know, to give for a hundred million dollars. You got uh, PayPal gave a bank in South Carolina, 50 million. That's, you know, um, we have Square led by Jack. And some of these guys are very vocal about change. But when you go into these challenging marginalized communities uh, that don't have the proper infrastructure, they're still light years away from getting, the proper conduit so that these investors will come out and say, hey, you know, this is where I want to put my money. Because we're not at that point where everybody's with wealth is feeling that bad that they really want to help uh, the every community. That's not happening yet. You know, people are protesting, you know, the slightest change of, of convenience in order to address these communities. So uh, Opportunity Zone is the beginning of that. Social good, that's the narrative that's being driven And I just want to share with you, look at some of these uh, financial powerhouses and the narrative that they're driving. Like Impact App, I want to highlight them again. If you go and you look over their feed, they're bringing some of the best content to the market. Then you go to uh, fundraising platforms that highlight these opportunity, investing opportunities that's gearing up with Angel Investor, VC to find out where they're spending and investing their money. Um, You got super Return. Uh, that host a lot of international investors all over the world. You have the EMPA, um the World Bank, all of these are uh, uh, narratives that have the same situation in terms of challenging marginalized communities. Opportunity Zone is where that, because of the conduit that this money can come into, but what you and I are working on is actually creating that infrastructure within the community so they can be a recipient. I, I like to quote, I guess, a biblical passage where. If you look at the, the guy with the withered hand, he had to have he had to be healed of the withered hand before he could hold the blessing. Yes. So what you and I are doing are focusing on and, and partners we're working with are focused on the withered hand. And these investors that. that we want to work with has the blessing. So yeah, of course we can't do it alone, but I just wanna be thankful for, you know, you having you know the compassion to even have a platform that could bring these two extremes together. So again, yeah. I just want to thank you yeah. for the opportunity.
0: You're very welcome. And so let's talk a little bit about what an ideal situation looks like. Because, you know, we're talking a lot about real estate investment and, and people go like, oh yeah, okay, so I buy this, I fix it up, and then it's worth whatever. So in communities, some of these communities, and one I don't want to name the city because I don't want people to jump on it and drive our values up. Quite frankly, because we got a really great plan on what we're going to do here. But in this particular case, it was a community that had over the course of 20 or 30, even 50 years, had just seen a drain of resources, people, knowledge, all kinds of stuff. Um, and, and not that far from where major other development and growth of other prosperous cities that you would recognize all the names in the United States. But within this thing, five miles from this area, five miles from this area, but in this area, we have what they call a food desert. Okay, that's where there's no restaurants. They had an education desert because the schools just could not be sustained. So there's no education until somebody, in this case, a, a charter school, starts a school within that community for that community. And there's special programs for that now within our education system so they could bring back some education to that thing. But there's no things that we completely take for granted. When we're there, it's like there's no emergency care or pharmacy There's no grocery store. There's no, there's just, it is just a desert of some houses. And, you know, and so a a place like that not only has an opportunity to come in and develop it where you can put education at the center of it, but you can also provide the workforce housing for the people to live there and be able to go to these other places that have really great jobs, but also turn around and shop you know, they don't have to drive seven miles, 10 miles to a grocery store, if they even have the ability to, mm-hmm. to get there easily, because obviously, there's no public transportation and something like that. And so there's an opportunity for people at all levels, if you're not necessarily the real estate dude, but you see, oh, there's an opportunity, I want to uh, get involved in vertical farming, I want to get involved in industry where I'm bringing new a new type of, of manufacturing into an area uh, or a new type of innovation, or I want to franchise and put franchises things look at these kind of communities because there's all these business opportunities in there and will to in effect create a whole community out of of this desert. you create a, uh, a an oasis if you will for the people that mm-hmm. live there and then part of what we're structuring is not just... Fly in, put your money in, and take your capital and your returns out. Our mission and the blueprint that Terrence is working with me on, and Jerry that he mentioned in, in Impact, in Epic Impact Fund, is to let the people within the community benefit through these interstate exemption offerings, where they can. Uh, participate and share in that wealth and leave some of that return on investment within the community itself. So this is the format. And um, you engaged me on this, Terrence. So tell me why you thought, uh, because I don't want to steal all the thunder here. So why you thought that um, the, the group that was there, the formula for success, the people that were leading it on the ground and what the work that they had done to set the stage for us to be able to attract this, um, this very, you know, cut financially oriented ROI ratio analysis type of money to come into a place like this and do the things that we have envisioned to do.
1: Well, thank you Karen again for that. piece. I want to share a couple pieces. Uh, when you talk about you know, business and infrastructure, you know, there has to be a stream of revenue to even again attract those investors. And what we've seen is that the government infrastructure provides that for communities and they're dependent on it. That's why you have this big political rift between Democrats and Republicans. all about rewarding their friends and punishing their enemies. You know, because if you can get a position within where that uh, budget goals, are uh, either set the agenda, then that's who's going to benefit from those tax receivables. And so that wealth exists unless that challenge community can create their own infrastructure. Well, they, they labor, but the wealth that, the wealthy lose them because they're not, they don't have a conduit to keep the wealth, first of all. And that means that the government don't mind you giving, you know, taxable income to a nonprofit organization. But if you look at it, even from the highest administration, those nonprofit organizations are their friends and family. So you still have one in the same. Well, in these particular communities that I've been, you know, fortunate to have a relationship with, uh, they have the leadership in the community on the ground. They're just not supported by those municipals. And so that's the real protest that's going on the have and have nots is because you don't have that political influence to when it comes to who get that contract or who get that funding, you know, it's going to go to whoever politically are, are rewarding that party. So the reason why it was important for me to be on the ground and, and to work with these challenge communities is that I know they have the leadership, they, they have the effort and it's not the narratives that's driven the news about crime and they, those are just the things that, uh, Go across the media because they're, they're click issues, you know, they're clicking mm-hmm. shares, but not necessary problem stuff. So um, within the community that has the has the infrastructure, if you can show them that their income could serve their own their uh, their own stability by creating these locally assets that can be owned locally, uh, and within that now instead of working for 20, 30, 40 years for the wealth that in months. You can walk out your door every day and see that school. You can see that uh, those house, affordable housing development, you own that. So we're, we're saying that, look, we, these channel community are opportunities. And again, if we go back to what these institutional investors are doing internationally, uh, even now, because of all these borders and all these issues going up globally, you know, they are even looking for uh, projects and things that are local. It's just that the local leadership has to have this infrastructure. Again, reference to what you and I are doing and working with, you know, Jerry, Impact, uh, Epic. Those are things that's going to lead this narrative for change that the local people, even though they have a little bit of wealth, but they have a lot more leverage than what they know. But they have to have the asset to invest in.
0: Yeah. So I want to make sure people truly understand that when you, turn, you do the uh, phrase local leadership, that that may not be the political leaders and it very likely it may not be the um, economic development office. You know, they, they're, what we're talking about the feet on the street is that people that have, that have grown up in that community that have succeeded in their own right and coming back into the community, recognizing that, they they want to lift up the areas that they came from, and um, as a result of their influence, because they have been involved in that community over the years, they have the relationships with the political leadership, and the economic leadership to influence the pre- what they do. What, because in order to do a development effort like this, you have to have a zoning approvals. You have to there's this term called shovel ready. You have to have zoning approvals. You've got to have um, like uh, sometimes it's uh, if you got to redo redevelopment, it's uh, tax abatements on certain things. It's a commitment to, uh, you know, not do eminent domain on something and take away the opportunity. It's a commitment. It's a, it's a, it's a blessing of the initiatives that they're doing and then it's ownership of those People that have been in that community, that live in that community, to to uh, the, so they they own the the properties and they own the area that's going to be developed. So they've got their own skin in the game, and now and they have a vision. So you're using their vision because they know what is needed in their community, and then the outside money can come in and lift that up in partnership with the political and economic leadership. But you, it's critical to have keep people that that live and breathe and are part of the fabric of the community to 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 be the vision and the leadership of what where it's going, right? I mean that's that's really the difference in the project that we're working on on other things. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that people just want to kind of fly in, oh let's go buy this and do this kind of a thing. But it's really for something like this for urban renaissance, when you're looking Mm -hmm. at transforming a community, this desert of 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 commerce Okay, this commerce desert, this housing desert, if you will, then it's it's really important to have that piece of it. So um, what would you like to we're we're kind of rounding out our our time together here, Terrence, and we're going to we're for those that are listening. Stay tuned because as we progress through what we're doing, we're going to come back and we will reveal to you the name of where we're doing as we get some success. Absolutely, and Absolutely. we're going to we're going to show Absolutely. you this framework of what we're going to do it and how we're we're moving forward, so it can be a blueprint for other communities to use. But what else would you like to add, Terrence, as we start well, to wrap up our time? Well,
1: well thank you. Let me do two things uh, if I can. Uh, now, with reference to the- stock market and people use that as a gate you know where we are economically and well uh, but again people think when the market goes up you know everybody suddenly got this wealth and when it goes down that we suddenly went bankrupt well it goes from one hand to another to be honest Capital. so depending on what position you have that's the right, capitalism right, right.
0: side well, of it right yeah
1: <laughs> right so we don't lose anything it's a, we just end up i had it and now i have not so well, within the difference of, of these communities that we're able to make this difference in, um, we have yet to engage them in a way that they can engage themselves. And we have yet to put a model that the local people can see how it works. And the pandemic have just showed us what we have not communicated. So I just got to give a huge shout out to uh, PayPal, showing up, Netflix, uh, the all of the Impact Alpha, uh, Super Return, EMPA, World Bank. Those are people over the last ten years that I know of that has been leading this new social narrative that uh, we could go into these challenged communities and give them a chance to become, you know, great tax base. And again, that's what's going to uh, eradicate this big um, deficit of wealth that we've seen dry up uh, within the community, based on these communities becoming to be very efficient. Uh, labor markets. Mm-hmm. So we, we got to not just look for like saying Amazon, uh, eBay and these online companies that have this 100%, you know, uh, increase in value all of a sudden, but just spread the same efficiency out over all these communities that until now have not been engaged. And we got to be the leaders in the media to, to, to paint that narrative that it's okay to drive into the neighborhood to help it become a tax-ready, paying base, and create some of these shovel-ready projects for these investors who uh, want to do good in these communities and buy people so, you know, it all all be more equitable and social equitable. And, you know, we're neighbors, you know, whether we like each other or not. The world is getting smaller, you know, because we're getting, you know, next door to each other now. And I look at what you and I over the course of years and how private equity and VCs and these angel communities now are, you know, they're out looking for the Gabby's, uh, the young lady who's doing a six figures by the sixth grade, you know, that that was unheard of in the media. And, and now you go to some of these what we thought were black and white platforms and, you know, they're just saying we're green. So I think if we can at least start having a green conversation, uh, we'll find a lot more black and white uh, happier uh, communities. So. Yeah. Thank common you. ground.
0: Common ground is green. Yeah,
1: common ground. Right? Yeah. <laughs> thank you for that. Common Absolutely. Coach. That's where we're going to start at, right? right. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Thank you.
0: Okay, well, thank you, Terrence. I really appreciate you thank being you. on the show and sharing your insight and Absolutely. your expertise, and and please, folks, please go uh, join them on Facebook on the Urban Ren and Wall Street Bonds Urban Renaissance, and please, when you have an opportunity, go to karenrands.co so that you can learn how I help entrepreneurs and investors and connect with me there. All my social media is there. You can get access to the book, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing, there as well. And sign up for the Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Breaks, little videos that we do Absolutely. on this. So uh, thank you so very much again, Terrence, for being on the show. Thank We you. really do appreciate this. Absolutely. And uh, always onwards and upwards. And uh, stay yes. tuned, folks, because we got there is more coming. Thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. All thank
1: right. Thank you so much. Thank you, All right. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about compassionate capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the Business Power Tools which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also, Lindio as a entrepreneur's resource portal providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising, resources, and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of QGRAN Capital Holdings. is a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit KarenRance.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network, and our sponsors, and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.